Welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast with Heather Hakes, where mindset is everything. Thank you for joining me for today's podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review. This podcast is designed to help open your awareness to the truth of who you are, a limitless being. You are worthy and deserving of an abundant and prosperous life. It's time to peel back the false beliefs and live the life you dream about. For additional resources or to contact me directly, please visit my website, heatherhakes.com. Without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to episode number 478. In today's podcast, my guest is sharing with you how you can develop your own self-awareness. You are going to learn how he went from a toxic, people-pleasing state, totally losing his authentic self, into how he created version 2.0 and is happier than he's ever been. Welcome to today's podcast. I front on Martin Salama. Martin, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Please give listeners a little background. Where do you live and what do you do? So I live in the wonderful town of Brooklyn, New York. Uh, forget about it. You know, my accent will always be here, whether I like it or not, but I love it here. Uh, and I am known as the architect of the warrior's life code. And to me, life stands for live incredibly full every day. Yes. Well, let's slow that down and say it again. I love this acronym you've made and I love acronyms. I like to make things simple, easy to digest and understandable. So let's share that one more time. Your acronym for life. My acronym for life is live incredibly full every day. Yes. But Martin, it wasn't always this way. (laughs) If only. (laughs) So you shared with me you know, I'd love for you to give a little background, whatever you want to share. But ultimately, it's like you had this wake up call when you were around 50. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I was almost 50 years old. And uh, this was in 2008 uh, and 2009. Uh, you know, just to give you a little bit of a quick background. When I was a kid, when I was 10 years old, um, I had a younger brother who was five years younger than me named Michael. And I had four older sisters. And uh, I was 10 and he was killed by a school bus. And that kind of was a defining moment in my life because at that moment I told myself, I'm the only boy. It's my job to make sure that my parents are always happy. So nobody told me that it was me. It was a 10 year old brain saying, make your parents happy. So I became a people pleaser. And with those came a lot of other things. I learned 40 years later that I kind of took everything personally, that I had a short temper and I was a control freak. All right. So now I get married. I'm trying to please my parents. I'm trying to please my wife. I'm spinning plates. I'm pleasing nobody. Right. And I went like this for 40 years. And me keep on banging my head up against the wall saying to myself, well, I'm doing this because this this, isn't. I was rationalizing. And I came to understand that the word rationalize really is two words. Rational lies. Pardon the interruption. If this content is resonating with you, please be sure to leave a five star review. I want to offer you some additional resources. Visit my website, heatherhakes.com, and sign up for my free video training on how to reprogram your subconscious mind. I also offer one-on-one coaching. I will help you create clarity and a roadmap so you can live the life you dream about. Best part? Everything I teach, you can start implementing right now. To learn more and apply, visit heatherhakes.com. Now, back to regular programming. Now, I've trademarked that, so don't take it. 
it means that you lie to yourself that you're going against what you know is really what is the truth, what's positive, what's the right thing to do to make other people or your ego happy. Which was what happened in 2008. In 2003, I have been closing a business and my wife said, okay, you know, uh, let's do something else. I can't find any way to play tennis. Let's open up a tennis thing. I was like, okay, I want to make my wife happy. Let's do that. We spent five years getting the approvals to build what ended up being a multi-million dollar, $15 million tennis, health club, everything about it. Go to the banks in the summer of 2008, got all the approvals from the city, the state. The bank said, yep, we're not lending. The world's about to fall apart. I'm like, what are you talking about? A month later, thanks to Bernie Madoff and subprime and all that, the world fell apart. And overnight, I was broke. My house was foreclosed on. My cars were repoed. And you can imagine how my kids and my wife were feeling. I was down in my, I was down for about a year. Then I started finally getting my picking myself up. I said, what do I want to do now? I said, I'm tired of being a businessman. I love helping people. I've been doing it my whole life in com community events. I've always been a leader. I realized I was coaching people. So I said, oh, I'll be a life coach. Then came my 24th wedding anniversary. And my wife said, I am done. I don't want to be married anymore. I want a divorce. It's like, whoa. But God was sending me a message at that moment saying, it's time for you to recognize what works and really what doesn't work in your life, which was go to life coaching and figure out that it's okay to change. You don't have to stay with who you are. And that's what happened. And I mentioned to you earlier, there was one book that really made a difference to me called The Four Agreements. Yeah. And that second agreement, don't take anything personally. It was as if he was talking directly to me, telling me, hello. It doesn't, the world is not on your shoulders. You don't have to take on everything and feel like it's your responsibility. So I uh, I listened and I realized people have been telling me my whole life, but I wasn't ready at that point until then. Yeah. It's when you're at your lowest points that you figure out these are the things you got to change. And well, I changed. Okay. So there's a couple things there. And honestly, I actually <laughs> like, I don't believe you have to hit your lowest point. You don't have to hit rock bottom. No, no you don't. For me, it was that way, but you don't. And most people do, but Dr. Joe Dispenza, as an example, he shares that you, you have two points in life you can change from that misery, that rock bottom, or from a place of inspiration and like a desire. Yeah. I so even that. like just that tinge of dissatisfaction, that can be your ignition to make change. But here's what I got from you in kind of that backstory. And I feel like there's other people that can relate. You know, ultimately you weren't being authentic to yourself. You took yep. on an identity and, and many people do this. As an example, I, I have one of my clients, very successful businessman, but he is very successful because deep down, he doesn't feel worthy or enough. And he is seeking validation and approval. Yeah. And he had this aha. He was like, oh, I mean, this guy's like 40, multimillionaire, you know, very successful externally, miserable internally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And ultimately, the other thing you shared was, oh, I love this. Uh, it, it just reminded me, you know, when you're you didn't get the loans. Uh, when your wife wanted to divorce, I believe the saying, and again, this is like the mind power behind mindset is rejection is always redirection. Oh, I like that. Yes. And I've just been able to step, this has taken time and practice, but I've been able to step into a space of trusting. I don't get upset anymore if somebody cancels plans or something doesn't work out how I thought it should go. 
Right. I love that. So now bring us to today, what you're doing now, how you found maybe if it is your authentic self, the self-awareness piece, how did you get to today? And, you know, what are you so passionate about? Yeah. So going through life coaching school really gave me the foundation to understand what self-awareness was about. And it took me a few years to get it. And uh, one day I looked in the mirror and when I first finished life coaching school, I was a divorce recovery coach. Makes sense. I had just come out of divorce, made sense for me to do that. And I loved it. And one day I looked in the mirror, I was the heaviest I ever was in my life. And I was thinking, why am I so heavy? What am I doing? And I realized I knew I was making the wrong choices. So Mm -hmm. I said, okay, it's time for me to start exercising, eating better, reading better, watching better things. And I said, well, I'm working a dead end job from seven to seven. I can't exercise. I said, but what I can do is go out and get those videos that you can do at home for a half an hour, wake up 45 minutes earlier, work out at home. And instead of making excuses, I made a plan. And the plan was that I'm going to wake up 45 minutes to an hour earlier so that I can work out and then go to work. And after nine months, I lost 65 pounds. But along the way also came a better self-awareness, which I now call, I went from self-conscious to self-aware. And there's a big difference between the two. And I talk about it in my course. And I just came out with a whole bunch of cards, a card deck, which talks about these things, some of these things. And to me, I'm just going to read real quick a little bit of the difference between the two. So the difference between self-aware and self-conscious Self-conscious comes from a place of negative energy, guilt, conflict, doubt. Self-consciousness is more outward directed. It's being more concerned about what others are thinking of you and how the situation is going to affect you. You probably react to uncomfortable situations instead of respond. Self-awareness comes from a place of positive energy, acceptance, contentment, and self-assuredness. Self-awareness is more inward-facing You have an accurate and realistic understanding of how you're responding to situations. Again, this has taken practice and a new way of thinking and being, but something we talked about before recording that I would like you to more deep dive and look, even that example there, deciding to wake up earlier and make lifestyle changes. You went from a state of being reactive, angry, impatient, whatever, into now it seems like you're being more proactive. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right, it does take time. And what I do is I, sh- I share with my clients before they get to the self-conscious, self-aware end of it, is to understand their emotional strength, build their emotional strength to the point that they go, oh, I'm reacting instead of responding. And it's a slow thing. I tell my clients, don't expect the first time you're gonna learn this technique, it's gonna work. Because it ain't going to work. It takes practice. But you'll go back the next day and look back and say, how could I have done that differently? And you'll build on that. Well, and what you shared with me there is a three-step process mm-hmm. um, on how, well, I, I'm not going to, I want you to share. It's but actually a four-step know. process. Oh, okay. well, you said member of the stop, drop, roll, but you yeah, changed so, Yeah, that. yeah. so that's, that's the one you get when you get a little deeper. So yeah. I'll do that one. Stop, drop, and roll. That's the early one. Stop thinking, respond. So when we went to school, we learned stop, drop, and roll from the fireman, right? And then 
I got my mind mixed, mixed up. So you put me back on track. Very good. Thank you so much. So I teach early that you learn stop, drop, and roll, right? Now I change it to stop, think, and respond. And you build your emotional strength with that. And then you go deeper later on with something else. But you start off by recognizing, what am I doing in the moment? The reactor is the guy who just, oh, he heard something, he reacts, he freaks out. Now, instead of that, imagine if someone comes to you with the situation and you go, hmm, let me stop for a minute. Let me think about it. And maybe I can respond instead of react. And that takes some time, but it's a beautiful way of looking back later until back the next day and saying, you know what? Yesterday I freaked out on this person. Yeah. Why did, let me stop. Think, why did I do that? Was I taking it personally? What was going on? And then imagine if you called up that person out of the blue and you said, Heather, I'm so sorry. I should not have done what I did yesterday with no extra bend. Instead of saying the old me would have said, I'm sorry, but, and all the other stuff, that's not an apology. Now I go, Heather, I'm so sorry. I wasn't thinking straight or whatever it was. And I was taking it personally and please accept my apology. And I'll try not to do that again. Is the first domino to apply this to someone's life? So somebody's listening and they're like, okay, I want to try this three-step process. Stop, think, and respond. Is that when we're triggered, that knee-jerk re reaction? That's yes. what I, I tend to relate it to, when you're triggered. And so that might be new to some people. I'll explain yeah. my perspective. You share yours. Okay. So when you're triggered, it's that um, kind of flight or fight mentality when, you know, if somebody irks you, if you feel mm -hmm. the need to be defensive, if you feel offended, if you, it triggers an emotional response, rejection, right. bored, anger, fear, that's what we're saying. Okay, whoa, power of the pause. That's all I call it. But stop, <laughs> think about it, process, and then respond. Yep. How do you describe a trigger? Or how have so, you experienced them? So let me, I, I, it's great. I love that you said that. So after my marriage, okay, and as I was going through the, through the divorce and coaching, I recognized something that my, my ex-wife or my wife at the time was doing that she had done her whole life, but I never, her whole life, but I never recognized it until I was more self, becoming more self-aware. And she would say something to me, the fact of, I don't want to fight, but... Now, in my head, that meant, put the gloves on, we're going 15 rounds. And I would react because she triggered me. And then it was easy for her to say, you started the fight. Because I said, I don't want to fight, but you started the fight. That was, that was what the, the breakdown would be. Now I'm going through coaching and I'm getting more self-aware. I was like, oh, wait a minute. I'm hearing this now in a different way. I don't want to fight, but great. You know what I did the first bunch of times that she said that? I hung up on her. I said, okay, so let's not fight. And I hung up. That was going too far. But she'd call me back after and say, why'd you do that? I said, well, you didn't want to fight. So I didn't want to fight either. And then I learned, okay, you don't want to fight, but great. Tell me what's going on and let me respond and give me a chance to not react. And it wasn't about trying to save my marriage at that point. It was trying to save myself from falling into the trap. So a big theme that we're talking about here is self-awareness. And 
you know, obviously people who are listening to this or have been following me for a while know that I talk a lot about mindset, our state of being, how you think and how you feel is creating your reality. So somebody newer to this, or at least interested, curious about becoming self-aware, because that's the first step in any change, right? You got to become aware of Mm -hmm. how you've been thinking, being, responding, reacting, How would you offer somebody, you know, what are some daily routines they can do when they're triggered, when they're, where do you even begin? You know, that's a great question. And I think it could start with them giving themselves a journal on their triggering. Let them write down. Even if it's an hour later, a day later, two days later, they go, why did I react that way? And just start to journal it and and look at it and saying okay wait a minute i'm seeing a pattern here and then you could go to the next step of saying what can i do differently how can i approach the way that i you know einstein said you do the same thing over and over again you know it's uh, uh what is it insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and thinking you're gonna have a new result yeah it doesn't work so okay so if i've been doing the same thing over and over again and i'm having confrontations instead of conversations how can i change that oh wow okay so a a couple things just kind of bing 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 (laughs) there for me but you know what i like to give personal examples rather than a bunch of hypotheticals right and i'm just going to share one for me and this was a big realization self-awareness that i had um I'm currently 37. I think this is late 20s, maybe early 30s. But I was tired of the vicious cycle. I kept dating the same kind of guy. Emotionally unavailable, selfish, arrogant, whatever. But And it was always just a different face, but the same kind of experiences and relationships. And I, through self-awareness, humility, whatever, I, I had to step back and go, wait a minute. I am the common denominator in all of these relationships and situations and how I was able to flip the script, become more self-aware of my internal programming that I didn't feel or think I was worthy and deserving of a male's time and attention, which is why I would attract emotionally unavailable men. It wasn't until I was like, oh, you know, and, and then I had to dig down and I figured out the root cause where that started and then like have self-compassion, a lot of self-love. You did the best with what you had at the time, but now that you know better, it's time to do better. Right. I love so, it. Fantastic. And, it and, and it did start with affirmations and kind of that choice to reprogram. And now I have completely dated different kinds of men or I've been able to cut it off much sooner and quicker. But ultimately, it's taking full responsibility for our reality. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. You know, for me, I think there was a turning point um, about two years after my divorce when I really recognized that I had come a long way. And what happened was, is my son was getting married. And in the Jewish community, I come from an Orthodox, modern Orthodox community in New York. Uh, in my community, my Sephardic Jewish community, we have a, a, a tradition of the Saturday before you have a, it doesn't happen all the time. You have a lunch for the, for the, for the group. So we were living a, 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 an hour away from me part. I moved back to New York from New Jersey and we had this, I thought we had decided we weren't doing it. 
So I was like, okay. Came that weekend before the wedding. My son comes home back to New York after the week. He goes, dad, I'm so sorry. Mommy made the lunch and you weren't there. I'm so sorry. I goes, son, Caesar, this is my name. My son's name is Caesar. It's, it's not you. Thank you for telling me. Now the old me would have picked up the phone right there and ripped her a new one. Who do you think you are? Now, the wedding was two days away. What would have I accomplished if I did it right then and there? I would have accomplished that me, my ex, my son, my other children, and everybody else involved would have heard about it and would have been so under, uh, under hot under the collar the day of the wedding that it would not have been a, a nice thing. And it would all have been on me. You started it. You did, Even though she was wrong. Right. The new me said, OK, I took into what I call my four steps that I use in another life thing. I listened to my inner voice, L, and acknowledge my feelings. I identified exactly what my feelings were. And I go deeply with this in my course. Find out why. I questioned why. Was she hurting me? Was she helping me? And then I engaged the change and take action. How did I do that? I waited until two days after the wedding. I called her up. That night was beautiful. I put it in the back of my heart that night of the wedding. I didn't even think about it. Two days after, I called with a controlled anger. And I said, this is what you did. This is the message you sent to our children that uh, their father is not important and inco inconsequential. And went on for about 10 minutes. And, I, and whether she heard me or not didn't matter. And I ended it. And this, for me, was a defining moment. I said, thank you for divorcing me because at that moment I recognized I didn't want her in my life in that way anymore of course she's still in my life because she's the mother of my children and I've learned to understand how to, we both coexist and we have a great relationship now but at that moment I closed the book okay I have to share this too because this reminded me have you heard of Peter Crone no I haven't I love him. So he's based out of LA, but he's a British guy and he calls himself a mind architect. He's been doing this for 20 years, works with a lot of major league baseball players, mm -hmm. but his quote is something to the effect of people and circumstances come into our life to reveal where we're not healed. I love it. So even in that situation, I do not see your wife as like uh, the bad guy. Yes. That, that, situation occurred but she still had that situation she helped you heal and bring up those potentially suppressed repressed emotions and feelings but they were triggered then you weren't included you weren't enough right 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 yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. and you know what i hear what you're saying about that and it's possible and, yeah. I, and i'll accept it yeah but my response to it was yeah. making her aware of it yeah in a, in a timely manner and taking control of my own life at that yes. moment. Yep. So yes, even if I want to give her the benefit of the doubt, at the end of the day, what she did was sent a message that my children shouldn't have heard at all that, oh, we're doing this without daddy, who cares? Yeah. Whether it was mindful or not, or conscious or subconscious, I'll accept it. I'll give her the benefit of the doubt, but my, I needed to do that more for myself than anybody else at that moment. And yes. I did it at the right time. Yes. Okay. So something else I'd like to talk about, um, 
let's talk about version 2.0 and something you shared with me is going from, cause I think especially right now what's going on in the media and the government, there's always some fear mongering thing. And the big mm-hmm. thing right now is recession and we're programmed into this lack scarcity competition, never enough. Like yep. that's literally conditioned into us. Mm-hmm. And I would love for you to share this idea of version 2.0 but the idea of going from that lack-based mentality and programming into abundance, which is our birthright. Yeah. So again, I'm going to talk about something. We didn't talk about this earlier, but I'm going to talk about something that's uh, Jewish-based. And it happens to be coming up this week in the Jewish, to each week we read a portion of the Torah. And in this week or next week's Torah portion, it talks about Jacob and his brother Esau. Okay. And they were they were fighting from the day they were born, coming out of the womb. Okay. And he was Jacob was the second one. He ends up being the father of the Jewish nation. And he changed his name to Israel. But um part of it is is that he steals the birthright and then he steals, he he gets he gets his brother to sell him the birthright, and then he steals the, the main blessings from his father by by dressing up as his brother to get them to get these blessings when his father thought he was on his way to die. He does this, and the brother Asaph says, I'm going to kill him. So he runs away for 20 years. Right Over those 20 years, he goes to another person's house. He marries four women, sisters, whatever, builds a beautiful family, 12 children, the whole thing. Now he wants to come back. It's 20 years later. And he's rich beyond compare. He's unbelievably rich. But he's afraid of seeing his brother because his brother still wants to kill him. So he starts on his journey. He hears his brother is coming with 400 men. He sends camps in front of him saying, this is from your servant, Jacob. And he gives him gifts and gifts and gifts. Keeps on every 20 minutes, another camp comes in front of him with more gifts. When they get together, they embrace. And the brother says, you didn't have to give me all these things. I have a lot. And Jacob says, I have everything. It's okay. What what Aesop was saying is, I have a lot, but I want more because I'll never have enough. What Jacob was saying is, I have everything. And whatever I have is more than I ever will need in my life. So the a lot and everything. So for me, it's about waking up every day and appreciating what you have. That doesn't mean don't try to get more, but don't be, don't be um, attached to the, uh, to the outcome emotionally. Well, and I think it's Eckhart Tolle who talks about attachment and attach, or was it Buddha? But and maybe they both do. But ultimately, attachment is what creates the suffering, right? Yeah. And even if we go back to that client example, if you are attached to an outcome, if you are attached to, you know, needing accolades and different things to prove your validation and self-worth, it is a vicious cycle and there will never be enough. Yep. So true. We know this in Hollywood, very wealthy people Money does not buy happiness. Nope, it does not. But why? And I'm curious, have you experienced this or I'd love your perception of it? When we let go of needing, then it all comes. Yes, I have experienced it many times in my life and it took me over 50 years to recognize it. And I'll tell you how I, for me, I would be involved in community events and they would always be successful. And I had businesses many businesses, many of them that were not successful. And looking back now, it's because 
when it came to the community event, I was not attached to the outcome. It didn't matter to me how much money we made. As long as we did the best we could, that's all that mattered. Because it wasn't affecting my personal bottom line. When it came to business, I was afraid of everything because I allowed everything to affect me. And it took working with this woman, her name is Genevieve Davis, who writes books on magic. Okay, And understanding that the law of attraction is just the first level. And I have this thing in my course, which I call the cycle of A's. Ask the world, ask God, ask the universe for what you want. Act towards getting it. A, ask. A, act. And A, have an attitude of I don't care about the outcome. Be detached from the results. And that's another card that I talk about in another part of my course, yeah. the cycle of A's. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of processing that. I like that. You know, and even, are you familiar with Neville Goddard? I've heard of him. Okay, so I came across him, gosh, probably almost two years ago at this point. But I do not have a religious background. That does not resonate with me. And he, he does a lot of quoting from the Bible, but a different way. So I was able to understand more of biblical teachings through Neville mm -hmm. Goddard. But right. whether it's Neville Goddard or Dr. Joe Dispenza, who teaches us about quantum physics and energetics of the universe, our thoughts are a frequency, our emotions and feelings are a frequency, quote, law yes. of attraction, like attracts like. Mm -hmm. But what I wanted to say about that, what I love, a very simplistic example, just like you said, ask, act, uh, what was the third? Attitude. Attitude. Neville Goddard teaches to live from the end result. So as an example, most people think when I'm in a relationship, then I'll be happy. When I have more <laughs> money, I'll feel abundant. Right. And what Neville and these quantum physics guys are teaching us is that when right now in this present moment, you are feeling whatever you think that condition will give you freedom abundance, love, connection. If you're feeling that now, act, um, he says, from the end result. So thinking, feeling as that now, that is how you draw those experiences to you. Mm, I like that. I like that. But I think I would take it a little differently. Yeah. When you feel happy, then you'll have a good relationship. Right. When you feel happy, then the things will attract to you that you want. Right. And because it's not want, it's desire. Want comes from lack. lack. Desire comes from abundance. Yes. For Okay. And because I don't want to go on this tangent, but as an example, <laughs> I think an easy one to talk about this with, and only because I'm surrounded by a bunch of single people, that space of it's a very needy stage five clinger when you're going out and you're looking. And when you're swiping and you're, quote, trying to meet someone is coming from that lack energy. Yep. yep. And so what I tried to explain to her was, and I'm at this phase, like, I love my life. I love what I do. And showing up with that energy, not feeling the need for something, that's mm -hmm. how it's like you have this different vibe, literally. Yeah. You have this different vibe frequency. And then that confident or fulfilling a relationship, whatever is then attracted to you because you don't need it. Mm -hmm. The whole, yeah. you know, when you're not looking cliche. Yeah. But you know what? There's it's there, but it's so deeper. I mean, 
Yeah. That's how I met my wife. I'm, I'm remarried. It took me, you know, a few years when I refixed myself, I get a call from a woman saying, I have a woman, you have to take her out. I'm like, I have to take her out. Why do I have to take her out? Yeah. She's so perfect. And she's talking to me 10 minutes about her. I go, uh, okay. And I come from a small community. So everybody knows everybody. You know, I don't know her. She goes, well, you know, this person and this person. I'm like, yeah. Well, I said, yeah, they're friends with my sisters. She goes, they're, they're her parents. I'm like, okay, but they're my generation. They're, they're my contemporaries. I go, well, how old is she? They said, tell me. I go, so she's 15 years younger than me. I go, if she wants to go out with me, what do I, you know, what do I care? I'm happy. <laughs> so we went out and I had this thing where when I started dating again, I was interviewing the women to see if their values would match mine. Because I realized in my first marriage, I was codependent and no values were the same. And I learned that through going through coaching. Right. So now I go out with women and they're like, nope, nope, nope. And this woman is hitting all the, every value. A month later, I turned to her and I said, I got to tell you something. And I don't care if you don't tell me, but I need to tell you that I'm falling in love with you because you see me who as I am. And I love exactly what I see in you. And neither of us are trying to change. She looked at me, she says, okay. A couple of weeks later, she told me I love you too. And we've been married for almost five years. Oh, awesome. And because again, I wasn't killing myself to find it. Right. And you had to go on that journey, your own self-discovery and now obviously a different version of you to attract that kind of partner. That's right. Martin 2.0. I love that. When she hears story from my kids or from my family, she's like, I never would have dated that guy. I said, yeah. I don't blame you. She yeah. goes, I don't want to ever see that guy. I said, don't worry. You won't because yeah. that guy is gone. And it's, I can honestly say that the things I used to be will never happen to me again. And it didn't happen overnight. Yeah. But it happened. Yeah. Okay. Question for you, because we've touched on multiple things. What mm -hmm. do you believe is a key takeaway you want listeners to get? My key takeaway would be that your emotional intelligence will guide how you move through your life. Can we describe that a little bit for somebody sure. if that's new? Sure. So I believe that everything that comes into you, you have a decision as to how you want to act about it. You could react or you could respond. Mm -hmm. Do it for the good and for the bad. You know, because something great happens to you if you jump up and down and react. It may be premature, right? And the same thing on the negative side. If you jump up and down, freaking out because somebody cut you off, you know, driving, okay, what's it going to do to your life? Okay, so... If you're aware of it, if you become self-aware instead of self-conscious about it, you're building, you're, you're flexing your emotional intelligence muscle. And you're building on it. Again, that whole being proactive, not reactive in your day-to-day. -day. Yep. Okay. All right. I'd love to wrap up the interview. So I have a few rapid fire questions for you. Go. What is a quote or motto that you live by? Don't take anything personally. From Dr. Miguel Ruiz, The Four Agreements. Yes. We talked about that before recording. That was one of the very first books I read as a teen. And if you've not read the book or you haven't heard of it, again, it's Don Miguel Ruiz, The Four Agreements. I think if any, those four things to live by, do you want to name them? Yes. It's 
uh, I, I'm going to do them. I probably do them in the wrong order, but I'll try to get them in the right order. The first one I think is uh, uh, be impeccable with your words. Number number two, I know for sure is don't take anything personally. Number three, don't make any assumptions. And number four, always do your best. One and four might be backwards, yes. but the other two. So be impeccable with your words. Don't take anything personally. Don't make any assumptions and always do your best. And those four things alone can shift your entire reality. Yes, indeed. I love that. Okay. What is a book you're currently reading or highly recommend? Uh, I would say that it's Genevieve Davis uh, that I highly recommend would be Genevieve Davis, the uh, Becoming Magic. And what is her definition of magic? What is that about? It's about taking the law of attraction to a whole nother level and understanding that the way you feel and do things is where the magic is created. Interesting. All right. Final question. What advice would you give your younger self? What advice would I give my youngest self? Uh, don't try to please the world. Take care of yourself first and everything else will fall into place. I love that. And such a great note to end on, Martin. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. I'd love it if you could leave me a review and remember to subscribe and share this episode with your friends. If you haven't yet, connect with me on the social platforms. You can add me on Instagram at heather.hakes and subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'll catch you on the next episode.